Wannabe, the private platform. What's up, wannabes? I'm Christina, co-founder at Wannabe, and this is Wanna Chat. Today we have a very special co-host, Ana Sucato of No, which is an amazing new fintech out of Brazil. Ana, welcome to Wanna Chat. How are you? Awesome, Chris. How are you? Same clothes. Matching. We're very matching. We're on the same <laughs> wavelength. How's everything going today? Awesome. Super busy. It's already like 6 p.m. here in Brazil. I don't know for you, but for me, yeah. it's the end of the day. So I'm relaxed. We're two hours behind. It's approaching the end of the day, but not anywhere close yet. Mm-hmm. So cool. we brought you here today because A, you're a big time badass, obviously. Um, and B, We want to pick your brain because you have a very specific set of skills that I think a lot of our wannabes would be interested in. Today's topic is, I want to scale, even in hard times. And you have been an absolute ninja of defying hard times. You started a business during a pandemic. Now you've been able to fundraise and you've managed to grow even during a recession. I think we need some of your tips, sister. (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, don't get me wrong. Growing from scratch is easier than growing once we have actual customers, right? Yeah. I think we're learning a lot. And although times are tough, I think our solution is super helpful for tough times. Because what our fintech does is we allow two people to split a bill. So in the end, what my customers can do using my app is to pay for half of a bill. So what's the best way for you to save money, right? Then pay for only your share of the bills that you got to pay. And this is one thing. I think our solution fits super well to the moment that we're living. Um, And it was a blue ocean in, in a way. Right here in Brazil, fintechs have evolved so much, but they all have evolved on the single player side. So we have single player, single credit cards, single loans, single insurances and all that. We are building the second wave of fintechs. We are launching multiplayer fintech. And I think this is super new, which, again, is one other factor that is helping us scale. I love it. So you mentioned that you're creating a whole new thing that doesn't exist, multiplayer fintech. Will you dive into how that works a little bit? I remember when you first kind of introduced the idea to me, you mentioned something called the household CFO that I found really fascinating and helped me kind of land how I understood the idea. I think people at home will be very fascinated by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the first thing we realized is bills can only be paid by a single person, right? by an, uh, an individual, I mean. So whenever you pay for a bill, you're debited from 100% of this bill's value, right? Right. Uh, but we Latinos in general, we are social creatures. This is what I like to say. And we share everything and mostly because we have been colonized and we are underdeveloped countries and we are poor countries in general, um, which means that we are very familiar with the in real life solution to gather up in groups to pay for stuff. So we gather in groups to get out of our parents' house and then we start sharing a house with someone else because by ourselves, we don't have 
the, the money to do that. We gather in groups to pay for our Netflix account. Brazil is the country that shares the most Netflix accounts in the world. Can you believe that? <laughs> I didn't yeah. know that. It's insane. The amount, like, the things I've come to realize that Brazilians share, it's just insane. Like, we share dogs, we share foods, we share cars, we share clothes. We literally share everything because sharing is how we have access to things. Um, and myself, being a Brazilian and watching the fintech revolution all this time, it came to my, my mind like, okay, let's start the next phase, which is multiplayer, which is allowing people to do together what they are doing alone, um, paying for bills. So how does it work? Yeah, how does it work? So you you download our app, the second person downloads the app as well, and then you bring funds in. And then you tie the knot. No, in Portuguese means not. So you're literally tying a knot with someone else. And once you do that, you define a split ratio between the both of you. Um, once this split ratio is defined, whenever you pay a bill, we have the intelligence to split this bill amount and then charge you and the other person through their split ratio. So imagine my husband right now, he's in the supermarket. If he buys a $100 groceries bill, I'm only gonna pay for $50. So this is exactly what we're doing. And then during our research, we realized that because finances are single players, oftentimes one person has to take ownership of the bills to pay. And then this one person we're calling the CFO, the CFO of the house, the CFO of the event, the CFO of whatever, you know, like when you have like a bachelorette party, and then you have oftentimes you have someone else, someone organizing for like 10 people, right? Or if you're taking a vacation, it's always the same problem. Um, so this is the CFO of the house. This person has a lot of work in paying for stuff and then making calculations and then asking everybody else to refund their share. So what we're doing is we're giving everyone the responsibility to pay for the bills, everyone visibility to see whenever a bill is paid, because again, if my husband is there paying for a supermarket bill, I get a notification. So it's instant, it's real time, and I know how much I'm debited, I know what purchase has been made, and he has full autonomy to actually debit from my account, which is super cool. It's the kind of sharing that's intuitive and is based on what you're already doing. It just makes absolute sense that you took it the next step further and that now you're seeing how valuable it is to be able to do that type of thing during times that are tight so very very intuitive Anna obviously big fan of how your brain works and how you're executing this so congratulations now I'm very curious about what you've seen change between the end of you really got the idea what at the end of was it the it, was, it was august, august last year when we yeah. prototyped the solution so our approach to start the company during the pandemic during our recession was let's prototype first mm. let's see if do we actually have a business do we actually like will users use this will they love it so the first six months of now were literally my excel with my bank account and myself paying for 10 house, 10 houses, 
their bills and splitting all those bills and then charging the individuals that lives that shares those houses so like that i processed around two hundred and twenty thousand reais which is like fifty thousand dollars as of today like manually every single month for only 10 houses so as soon as i got that I, as soon as i got to that number i was like okay i have a, a shitty solution on an excel with my bank account and i've already processed like fifty thousand dollars with only 10 houses this is insane i have a business so this was my first rationale prototype first deliver the solution to the hands of users and see if they use and that was the seed of scaling that beautiful proof that this was going to work i think it sounds like that was your first like aha this can scale huh? even even during a really shitty hard time this yeah. has the potential with with intuitiveness to just scale yeah i mean the solution could scale because users were loving that our next problem to solve was can the technology solve that mm -hmm. because Annually, I could solve it from my bank account. I could, but then again, it wasn't in real time. It wasn't using technology. And then, so our next direction was, okay, let's fundraise. And as soon as we fundraised, um, we needed to find out a way on how to properly scale that. Scale and be compliant, right? Yes. <laughs> during those six months, I was, I was oftentimes thinking like, am I going to go to jail because I'm paying like tons of bills that aren't mine? What's <laughs> happening there? But again, it's a risk you got to take, right? You know, they're like, who is this Ana Sukato and why is she involved in so many personal finance households? Mm -hmm. That was my fear. And I was calling my accountant like, hey, dude, I can't go to jail. I'm building something super cool. Can you help me? So that was our agreement. Oh, that's good. Avoid jail. The first uh, the first tip for scaling your business. Don't go to jail. <laughs> Actually, the single rule we have here in the company, we like to have no rules. So it's a no rules rules company, but we have a single rule, which like no one can go to jail. <laughs> but that's kind of sketchy, Anna, because it, it means they can do something that could send them to jail. They just can't get caught. <laughs> it depends a lot on how you see it. So the no rules. Rules, there. rules. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so the steps that I'm seeing, and please feel free to correct or pop in, I'm seeing you proved your concept, you confronted the hard times and used them. Like you really tailored your pitch. You made something that was built for hard times. You weren't just fighting against the hard times. You said, yes, these hard times are gonna help me get to my next step. And then you had a really clear next foothold, which was, yes, this first part worked, but let's see how the technology scales. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about how how it's been, what you've discovered as you built out your tech and maybe what are some differences between the manual version and how the actual tech is working. Well, like there are lots of differences. First of all, it's now our product is real time and there is no one else doing Excel work behind it. So it is 100% scalable. 
Um, but the thing is, what we're doing, no one else has ever done. And I think it, it is a huge innovation in terms of payments, right? Because before now, a payment was like this, one-to-one, -one, a person and a payment. And now it's one-to-two, one, one payment, two people. We are evolving now, like as we speak, for one payment, multiple people. Mm. So this is like the next step. But once we decided to scale, I think the next decision was, how can we scale narrow? So the minimum group of more than one person we could build for was two people. So we decided that our solution scalable would be narrow for only two people. And then we spent the first month of the company, like after raising the seed, hiring engineers, hiring designers, hiring um, growth and support team and operations team because our product in the end is a card. It is a physical card. So we had to issue those cards. Let me show you. Like, the show. They're so beautiful. There is a card. So, and this takes a lot of work. Oh, um, I can imagine. To print, to design, to like print the like ship inside and all that. Um, but we were narrow and we were comfortable on being narrow. We wanted to deliver like the best splitting solution for a group of two, which we super fast realized would be couples. We then positioned ourselves for couples because they are the, the segment of groups of two that shares the most amount of bills, um, most frequent and 90% of a person's, a person that is a couple's bills are shared. So this we had discovered during the prototype season. So again, the prototype season gave us enough insight for us to make sharp and narrow decisions. Um, once it came to the technology itself, we had two ways to go. One way, build ourselves. Second way, partner and outsource parts of the technology. Um, outsourcing, it might be seen as bad because the, the code is not ours, it's not mm -hmm. as as we wanted it to be but it was super fast so for us it was a no-brainer like we want to launch fast we want to dominate the country how can we launch faster so we partner with brazil's best banking as a service provider and we got these guys involved into creating our architecture and technology and we literally tied a knot with them as well because <laughs> part of the solution is ours and then part they had to adapt. Um, and that was it, like finding a great partner, being super narrow on who are we delivering for at first mm. and being comfortable on the narrowness of the solution. Because I do think like oftentimes me as a founder, and I'm pretty sure you feel the same, we want to deliver for everybody, all use cases, and we want to be super broad and we want to be big and unicorns and all that. There's no way we you can launch with that. So of one course. size fits none. So those, these were the decisions we took at first. I love how you integrated your school of thought of the nuts into your partnerships as well. That's very, very on brand for you. I like it. We know that just the idea of hiring the wrong person makes you sick. And to be honest, with the way you do it, there is a big chance you will find the wrong person. At Wannabe, we developed a different method. 
We allow companies to test drive multiple candidates simultaneously with the option of hiring the best match. We understand the role you need and we give you the tool and the skills to assess the talent when deciding who to hire. Once you get the best people out of your applicants, get into a job date, a part-time period where a candidate recreates the genuine experience of working together before committing. Avoid making mistakes when building your team. Make data-driven decisions with Wannabe. A hiring experience thought for hiring managers. I want to rewind a tiny bit and I want to talk about the growth of your team and what it's been like for you to find your first teammates and to make that knot as far as your culture and the people who are going to bring your vision even more to life. How has that been? Um, quite an adventure. And I think like my first rationale when deciding what the type, what is the type of team that I want to build, we came up with a definition, which is like MVT, minimum viable team. Okay. What is the minimum viable team that can ship this solution? Because when I was hiring, I, we already knew what the solution had to be because we've been prototyping for six months. Um, so we understood like I need a designer, I need developers, I need someone to take care of operations, I need someone to take care of the card issuing, I need someone to take care of customers, I need a people's person to take care of all of us and a marketing team to get the word out there. So we defined the scopes and then the first thing we did was we created a, what is our hiring team MVT going to look like? We created like values and habits and mentality and mindsets. Like, what do we expect for these people? And again, thinking about how to scale fast, our first approach was, who are the best people that we've ever worked with? And this came in hand, like the fact that my, me and my two co-founders have been working with technology for the past 10 years came in handy. Because when the time was for us to build our own team, we created a list, like literally a people's wish list, who were the best that we've worked for me, for Felipe, for Octavio. And then we went after those people. Um, it was hard because I, I, I think I, I've interviewed over 120 people in the end because wow. other people started referring me to like top talents, rock stars and all that. And you want to meet people, right? Because it, it's your company. It was my company. I wanted to meet people. But the best people that are working with us and the people that have has the most cultural fit, they are people that have worked with us before. Um, I'm not sure if this is the right way to go, but it literally helped us scale faster because we know how to work with each other. We know like our flaws, our benefits, like our mood swings and all that. And it's, super important in those first six months it was super important for us to understand who we are and to learn to work with one another but don't get me wrong like i had to restructure a team a couple of weeks ago um and it was the first time that i made a firing decision again um i've always heard about hiring slow and firing fast and this was not my approach I hired super fast because although I've interviewed over 120 people, I knew these people. They knew me. They knew my co-founders. They knew what they were getting into. So we ended up firing fast. And because our product took five months to launch, 
um i fired slow this was my first learning so i did the opposite of mm -hmm. what people usually tell you um and i also think because because you are used to people right especially in the case that we you've worked with these people before and then my main learning was the people that grow a company probably are not the people that launch a company you need different skills um this was my learning so far that's really valuable yeah i'm thinking about a, a team that's pre-vetted as far as culture goes so you can plop them in there quick but those might not be the guys that are with you in five years or 10 years after, yeah. after things develop a little bit more. And considering a startup move as fast as a rocket, five years for us is five months. So in five months time, I took a look at the team again and I, I did understand that the team, like 100% of the team that I had was not exactly the team that I needed. So it was a readjustment super hard to make but then again learning right and i think yes. we can take out of this adventure i agree and recommendations for hiring i mean at wannabe we think there's nothing like that magic of saying ah you know what anna would be perfect for this role and there's no other way that i would discover you you know sometimes the best things happen by that not also in the middle of people saying aha i'm going to connect you to uh -huh. so that's the magic we're trying to create at wannabe is to allow people who are hiring to have that safety of the feeling of a recommendation or the the understanding of what it's really like to work with somebody rather than finding out five minutes later so i'm very happy to hear that you've been doing the manual version of wannabe in a sense <laughs> I have two people here that have come from referrals, like one from my best friend. I was talking to her one day and I was saying how hard it was to find someone to help me build the culture. Because hiring for people in HR and culture building is the hardest because it's not so technical and it's very like it's 100% fit, right? And then my friend, this is my personal best friend. She told me I once worked with a woman and I think she's the best what you need right now. Um, I hired her. She's rocking it. She's killing it. She's the best. And she's loving me here as well. So I agree with you. It's so hard. Um, but then it becomes so easy once you get the right connections, the right referrals and prototype. And test. Yeah. It's also so hard when... Like you and I have never met each other in person, but we've worked together, we're friends and you know what, we spend a lot of time together, but it's so strange now hiring when you never get to meet people and all you see is this little box. Like yeah. you're not seeing what's going on in the background. You're not seeing the bottom half of my outfit, you know, <laughs> you don't know no. what's going on. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, that sense of trust and sharing as well it's it's hard to get a real sense of how people are especially when team building during remote times yeah so how did we solve that we created uh an offsite so uh, we decided yeah so in back in april when the recession was not so hard and things were kind of still not on fire we <laughs> took three days off to meet ourselves in person and we rented a house in the woods 
and we were there just for connecting just to see like how tall are you uh, what do you smell <laughs> who are these people like you know um so we we made a hike we talked a lot we ate a lot we had some drinks we made a party we were in the pool so like basic stuff but nothing related to work these were our three days off right before launching the product so we had no users so we were cool um and i'm thinking about doing this as a, a culture thing like oftentimes we are remote we're not hybrid we're 100 remote we have employees from all over brazil and from other countries such as colombia as well so we're thinking about like on a bi-yearly basis meeting in person oh that's so cool can I crash an offsite? <laughs> like, <Yeah. whoa. laughs> I will let you know when the next one is gonna be. And I, um, we've got a couple of more minutes, and I want to conclude with something that I think is a forte of yours. You're so cool under pressure, and you're so vulnerable about your process. Is there one thing that you really lean on when you're confronted? with a shit storm like a recession or <laughs> anything that happens to come your way, is there any tool that you really lean on when you need to get shit done? Yoga. <laughs> I, think, I think yoga is the first one. Like I literally go to my mat and then I sit there for a couple of minutes. Um, it's mandatory for me. Otherwise I don't perform. I literally shut down. Um, and one another thing that I am, um, doing a lot is writing so whenever like it's messy and it's a lot of things and it's a thunderstorm i sit down and i write or i draw or i make a schema or something and okay this is the problem this is what i gotta do to solve it um and oftentimes when it's news about competition when it's news about things that are scary mm. I am trying to practice like the two minute rule, which is I can get scared for two minutes and then I have to move on because it is what they say. And I'm pretty sure you're way more familiar to this than I am. It is a roller coaster. Like you wake up in the morning with an awesome news, like customers are happy and a new feature has been launched and et cetera. And then you go to bed and like, shit hit the fan. You have no idea how to get rid of it. So this is what I'm practicing. Like I have two minutes to be scared and then I have to move on because there's not enough time. That's a good reminder. I sometimes, well, my therapist calls it the taxi. These things are like taxis. The shit arrives and you see the taxi, the uh -huh. shit taxi, and you just do not hop in the taxi. It is occupied. There's already people in the back. You wave <laughs> goodbye and... Of course, there's another taxi coming soon. It could be an even worse taxi, but do not get in that taxi. You can watch it, but you will not ride. So I'm going to try and be better about that. That's a really good reminder. And you'd be very proud. I did yoga this morning, and I'm not a yoga person. So I'm going to try trying to use all the tools because scaling, growing, being resilient during these times, not not easy yeah whatever works i mean whatever works for each one like yes. this not, nothing wrong 
I love the taxi analogy. I'm going to adopt that for my life in advice. <laughs> no taxi. We will not get it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk. I walk. I'll just walk. <laughs> Absolutely. Wear comfy shoes and walk because these taxis are, they smell pretty bad and kind of dangerous. So don't get in. <laughs> Anna, well, thank you so much for being with us here on Wanna Chats. I know I'm going to adopt some of your incredible advice as we take on this battle of scaling and growing and hiring and everything in between. So thank you for your gems. Um, is there anywhere that you would like to direct the viewers to check out your product or check out your own personal stuff? Well, um, thank you for having me, Chris. I think this is like means a lot. Um, if the, the, the viewers are Brazilians, they can download the app and check. Um, it's not noh.com.br. If you are not, you can't. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you just can't yet. We're not there. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn. Amazing. We will look for you, stalk you, and like you and love you. And make comments. Thank you so much. We will see you soon. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye.